Hey, hello, folks. This is Dave. Uh, we have Ralph here on the other end. Hey, Ralph, how you doing? David, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. And we are doing uh, another show together, finally. It's been a while. This, your listeners and viewers are wondering, why did Ralph wait so long? Mr. Ralph Epperson got a visit with the Mr. Mr. COVID. Yeah. And Mr. COVID, I, in my case, it was a lot of, you know, uh, this kind of coughing and and it's been going downhill. And I ran out, I took the last pill and the next couple, three mornings, I tasted, still tasted it. Hmm. So I called the doctor. Now the doctor was out of town for the New Year's thing. So when she came back on, what's I guess uh, a week ago already? Today's the night, yeah. yeah. So she said, oh, I'll, I'll prescribe a new thing for you. Well, it took her a while. And then last night, I made the mistake of saying I'll go pick it up at 4.30. Mm-hmm. You don't go out on the streets of Tucson at 4.30. They're going like this. Yeah, right. Rush hour. Yeah. So anyway, I've got the prescription and I'm taking it. And I think it, I got a little bit of congestion. I think that's the last of it. I'm hoping Good. So. Hallelujah. That's always Hallelujah. good to hear. Yes, I'm, I, I, it's not fun. Well, it's not painful. You know, it's just mm-hmm. all the time. Like oh, I you, know. <laughs> yeah, the noise, noise that I hear from you when I talk about fees. Yeah, by the way, what does EEF mean? It's on that board behind your head. <laughs> Folks, maybe you can settle something for Ralph and I. I say it says EEF. He says it says F-E-E. No, it's... it's... So. Actually, it is right. The door, the doors are on that side, yeah. and the door that side. But the letters, when I turn around, I see F E E, but I don't see it. F. It looks like three, 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 three. Wait a minute. There you go. <laughs> That's what it is. And I got, a, I got a little flag. Uh, I've had some time. I found it you know, walking through my room yesterday. And there's the Arizona Arizona flag there. And the uh, Air, uh, American flag on there. And there was a flag in the middle, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think this is Arizona uh, Native American for we don't know how to vote. Yes. That, <laughs> no, no. It's, we, we, we know it means we know how to fix it. Okay, good deal. <laughs> so, Ralph, what are we talking about today? We're going to examine the 9 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, incident great thoroughness and we're also going to talk about remind me about the flat earth i'm going to debunk it fine it's over good and and then there's one oh uh uh, chemtrails but uh, chemtrails i don't think is organized i've got some stuff that i want we can do that some other time okay yeah okay but then a potpourri of all sorts of things to talk about and uh comment on and you and I can discuss and okay. you can if you want that's up to you sure we should probably start with the with the stuff on the uh, uh, 9-11 because it's uh, it's quite a number few pages Maronami. wow I don't think it's two uh, probably probably an hour and 50 I don't know I'm guessing let's see I'll guess an hour and 15 minutes let's see how we do with that so mark it down okay. what time it is and all right we'll, We'll be able to guesstimate when I get that many pages. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready when you are, sir. I want to go back to
Okay. You want me to read, Ralph? Yes, please. Okay. I want to go back to September 11, 2001, and bring to your attention the tragic loss of 40 passengers and four crew members when United Airlines Flight 93 crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I got to kind of spray these things to give an edge so I can pick it up and I'll say, okay. I want to uh, commemorate the tragic loss of these people by showing you a picture of the actual plane crash site. Yes, I think you should see that. Definitely. I will put the picture on the screen so you can see the wreckage. Just so you will know, this picture was taken after the passengers and crew were removed from the site. Up a little, Ralph. Okay, but for those who want to see the result of the plane crash, please get ready. So you you don't have to look at this if you want to, because this is tough. (laughs) Now, if you would be offended by seeing the results of the plane crash, Please look away because it's not very pleasant to look at jet engines, seats, wings, tails, and other wreckage at a plane crash site. Yeah. This is Horrible. I, yes, it was tough. And the, uh, I'm gonna, I, I got a box to put this in. So, okay. we're, so here's the picture of the uh, Shanksville uh, crash site. Well, I see a hole in the ground, Ralph. I don't see any of the other stuff you mentioned. Wait, 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 wait. No, there's an airplane crash. Please look. With Look a little harder. Okay. <laughs> you can see it, can't you? Well, if you say so, but I don't see anything. No. The crash of Flight 93. Well, it, it says it, and they told us it could the crash. There's got to be a crash. Look, there's people there looking for bodies and engines and things, aren't there? Yeah, it looks that way, but maybe they removed them all already. No. No? That's the picture. They're still there. There was no wreckage. No plane crashed at Shanksville. The county uh, county coroner was quoted as saying, I stopped being a coroner in 15 minutes. Wow. Wait a minute. The world says that crashed, a plane crashed. There was the guys who took it over and a plane crashed. No, the plane crashed. It had to be. Hmm. No, Ralph, no, no. The official government position is that 19 terrorists crashed pl- crashed airplanes into two towers of the Pentagon, oh, and the Pentagon, excuse me. And there they are, huh? But I am going to present information that this is a bold-faced lie. Yes. Well, if the government said it, probably. Well, we're going to prove it. Okay. The four planes landed. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you, as I often do, you're on a jury. And you're on a jury, which means you're, you're obligated to be impartial listen to the evidence, and weigh it, and then find guilty or not guilty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I would now like to share my story about my experience with an Empire State Building and the action of a B-25 airplane hitting the building 
on July 28, 1945. My mother was born in Brooklyn, New York, and she met and married my father. They moved to Tucson, and after my father and grandfather both passed away, my mother, brother, and I would go to Brooklyn to visit my grandmother and my mother's two sisters. One day, we went into New York City, and I saw the Empire State Building, which is a beautiful building, by the way. Oh, guess what? Oh, look at that. There it is. The Empire State Building. It was the tallest building at the time in the world. Yeah. Now, this this is this is what's going to be difficult. I don't have these uh, uh, written. I only got a picture. It, well, well, no, no, I'm sorry. I just want you to notice something right right there. See that? The, the words in that circle. Yeah, the Empire State Building crashed today in history. The plywood covering the hole made by the B-25. Okay. Uh-huh. So now I'm going to talk about it in a little more detail. It had some wooden structures on the side of the building while they were rebuilding the damage done by the B-25 Army airplane after it crashed into the building on a foggy morning. There's a, uh, so you know, there's oh, a, yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. B-25. My uncle uh, was through. Uh, I guess uh, World War II or where it was. Mm-hmm. Who's this? Ooh. Public enemy number one, David Rockefeller. Okay. Okay, look at that face. Innocent, right? Yeah. If you say so. <laughs> I have come to the conclusion that David Rockefeller, a major player in the conspiracy ru- running America, saw that saw what happened to the Empire State Building could be used someday and somehow in the future. Oh, I... Yeah. So in other words, well, we'll see whether he did that. Mm-hmm. All right. Newsweek Magazine, David Rockefeller... Okay, maybe you can't read it. It's April the 3rd, 1967. Okay. Okay, where is he? Looks like he's on the observation deck of the... Oh, wait a minute. No, no. Hold on. Is he on the World Trade Center? No, he's on the... I don't know. Maybe the Empire State Building. I don't know. Okay, yeah. He's obviously in his office, and he's up above all the rest of us. And look at this. Okay. What am I looking at, Ralph? It's a little blurry. Yeah, I know. It's close up. Look, at this is a picture on a cover, mm-hmm. but this is what we're going to look at. His watch. Okay. Right? Okay, David, I'm sorry. I didn't read it. David Rockefeller, Newsweek. A little up, Ralph, so I can... Okay, well... Oh, April 3rd, 1967. Okay. He's obviously sitting... On the front edge of his desk in an office, mm-hmm. in New York City skyscraper building. Right. But I believe he is giving us a clue about the future plans for the date of 9 11, mm-hmm. meaning a September the 11th of the future. Okay. It is on time. Uh, it is on the time being shown on his wrist, simply wristwatch. Shown on a simple wristwatch. What does it say on his wristwatch, Ralph? 
Okay, hold on, hold on. Okay. Okay, I'm going. I've got a better picture. I got words first, but I believe he's giving us a clue. Well, maybe you can read this because I wrote. I'm going to read this, but I think it must be better if you read it. Okay, read. But I believe he is giving us a clue about the future plans for the date of nine eleven, meaning a September the eleventh of the future is on the time being shown on his very simple wristwatch. So it's the. They actually said nine eleven. On the wristwatch? I'm I'm going to show you. Okay. You're the jury member. I'm the the prosecutor. And I I demand evidence. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm trying to give it to you. Are you going to show me a picture of it? No, wait. I want to know what the time is. I'm going to gag you. You got any duct tape, David? (laughs) I got chicken tape. Um, (laughs) I I read, Oh, it appears that he is sitting this way because he is ask, asking us to draw our attention to his wristwatch. This is not the watch. This is not that watch, but is a simple clock showing exactly what Rockefeller's watch is showing. The time is 9-11. Now, please understand, it's not his wristwatch, but it, it, when you blow that up, and we'll, we'll try to do that even on the camera mm-hmm. uh, with the old but it, it, it's it's a very inexpensive watch. I bet he spent nine. Say, I say nine dollars for it. Here's the wealthiest man in the world buying a nine dollar wristwatch. No, right. no, no. Okay, it's hard for me to believe that he owns such an inexpensive wristwatch. One probably costing around nine ninety five when he can afford to purchase a rich one that would tell him when the tide is low in Honolulu, Hawaii. Amen. But that is what he intentionally showing us. Um, his inexpensive watch with the hands on the numbers 9 and 11, something will be planned for that date sometime in the future. That is why he was sitting like this for his portrait. Let David read. <laughs> but that is what he is intentionally showing us. His inexpensive watch with the hands on numbers 9 and 11 Something will be planned for the, a date sometime in the future. That is why he's sitting like this for his portrait. Okay, I, that was a duplicate. Okay, now that's okay. That needs to be said twice. Okay. Yeah. Now here's here's the ad again, mm-hmm. and there is the wristwatch. This is a clock that I found a picture of. But if you could take that little blob there and blow it up, this is what the the watch. The two hands. Now, does that look like a forty-seven hundred and twelve dollar wristwatch? No, you? it's definitely not a Rolex. <laughs> In other words, he, he he's this guy could buy he could buy fourteen people to come into the office and tell him what time it is. He could and have bought all the Timex. <laughs> he's this is the cheapest thing, but that that by God's grace, someone found that could very well be, but it was just a picture. But that's mm-hmm. the cover. There it is, right there. Right. Nine eleven. Uh huh. Okay. Now, I want. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. I'm going to pick. Keep that there because we'll come back. Okay. Okay. While we are here, I would like to call your attention to the back cover of the magazine, and we would see the Tarryton cigarette advertisement 
and get another clue. Notice that the man is wearing a shirt with an emblem on the cigarette of the cigarette company. Hmm. We'll see it in a minute. Two, uh, two long narrow stripes being displaced very close to each other. This is, of course, a black and white ad, and the stripes on the shirt were red. Okay, here we go. Okay, what well, is it? What gives Tarryton the taste worth fighting for? Now, look at this. That's their emblem. Does that look to you like two twin towers? Wow, yeah, it sure does. They're exactly the same. Kind of red. Yeah. In color. Uh huh. By the way, which side is uh, the picture? Is he looking towards the back side, back cover, or the other way? He's looking towards towards the back cover. A little bit. Yeah. In other words, this is going to happen. This mm -hmm. is a clue. Something's going to happen with two. Right. Oh, I don't believe that, Robert. You're keep okay. Okay. Could this be a clue that something is going to involve two tall skyscrapers on the September 9th of some future year? Go back to showing David. Okay, I'm sorry. That's all right. By the way, these numbers don't mean that's the page numbers at the bottom. Okay. Uh, the city of New York had zoned the southern portion of Manhattan Island, meaning the city itself as a portion of the island by limiting the size of the buildings to about 50 stories. In other words, no one could build a skyscraper higher than, than 50 stories. Ralph, do you know the reason for that? I do. Yes, I, well, uh, the uh, the island is is like a big uh, solid granite rock, but in the middle of it, there's a lot of uh, fill inside of it. Um, you know, dirt, and uh, any building that would be built south of a certain point and north of another would actually fall down into the ground. They couldn't make sure it stayed up, so that's why there's there's short buildings in between Midtown and in the south. But they were also afraid that if you build a tall building, it would fall over on the buildings. The yeah. Tenants, you know, like, but notice what they did. And they did it when they rebuilt it. They put big, big, thick concrete slabs holding that thing down. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a concrete underneath it. The The original noise, uh, the original part of the uh, attack on the Twin Towers were the basements. were blown. Yeah, the 1990s. Yeah. Well, that was a separate case. Yeah. They did it with one of them, I think, but but there was a, a a janitor who had his office down about the second basement, and suddenly it went like this. And oh wow! He, he was nearly killed, and the elevators came down with people like this. Oh, people! Yes, yes. In oh. other words, they loosened the buildings, both of them. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm telling you, I didn't. I should have put that in there because the guy the guy became famous after the thing. He was doing a tour to show tell you a little bit about that he knew firsthand. Yeah, wow. Rockefeller used his influence in the affairs of the city to alter the zoning laws so that a high skyscraper of over a hundred stories 
could be built in the southern portion of the city. And this became the World Trade Center, including twin 100-story buildings. Oh, the Territon cigarettes then. Yeah. Have a, have a message. That's a coincidence. I remember when they were building those, I was watching them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the World Trade Center, lower end of... Let's see. Oh, yeah, lower end of Manhattan, New York yeah. City. Mm-hmm. I, I cut it off, but that's, you can see, that I drew the orange. I believe that's what the lower end looks like. And it is. Mm-hmm. And and there, where, where I've got the word, I had an arrow, but I couldn't print it, and I couldn't take time to figure it out. But those are the Twin Towers already. So you can see that they're in the lower third, the lower, t- whatever it is, of the of, of Manhattan. Yeah. And they built 110 story buildings, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. For some reason, this is on there. Okay. This is another, or this is an overhead view of the main buildings called World Trade Centers 7, 1, and 2. Okay. 7, 1, and 2. Okay. Okay, where's building seven? Uh, to the north of the other two. Okay. Uh, there's also what? Uh, there's a the, six and a five in between them. Right. Hey, well, all of these buildings came down. Mm-hmm. There's. Oh, I, I've circled the three, the three major buildings. Right. Seven, one and two, mm-hmm. and in between one and seven was building six, but so building six, I think, was a shorter two or three stories thing. Right. But that was to give you an idea of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But there were other clues that something was going to happen on September 11, 2001. Here is a drawing of the Simpson cartoon character giving us a clue showing us that a future event would happen on 9-11 in New York. One hundred eighty. There you go. New York, nine dollars. What's behind it? World Trade Center Isn't and the that, Empire State Building to the left. Yeah. Isn't that? How did they know that? I don't know about Simpson, but they were certainly before. They they've predicted a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. They're not predictions. Okay. Hollywood released a movie in 1985 entitled Back to the Future, and it had two sequels, one in 1988 and the last one in 1989. These movies had dozens of clues hitting in in the movies itself that something was going to happen at the World Trade Center sometime after 1989. Interesting. I've got a couple of examples to prove it. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay. Where's the whole ad? Okay, Back to the Future. And that's Michael J. Fox playing. Right. And I think somewhere is the DeLorean. I I can't tell. I think that's it down there, yeah. Someplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was a poster, I'm sure, for the theater, but that's to show you that this movie was made. Right. 
For instance, this is an electric sign and clock showing the mall was called the Twin Pines Mall. And here is the same sign, but the now the mall is now called the Lone Pine Mall sometime later. If you look at real hard, you can see that the clock at the bottom of the sign shows an inverted 9-11. Wow. Let's take it step by step. Okay, Lone Pine. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Lone Pine and Twin Pines. Okay. Then Lone Pine. And uh, oh yeah. Oh there, this is the sign. Doesn't that say nine? Yeah, it's an upside down nine eleven. I can't see it, but uh, it is, yeah. Th- these two this th- these two these two signs change and notice that twin twin pines, suddenly there's one pine. Yeah. In other words, things those things play a very important part in the movie. And so mm-hmm. it was this was at one time he was there, it was uh, nine and uh, two, and uh, later on it was one. I've seen a real slide of a picture of the character Michael J. Fox portrayed while he was writing a letter while he was seated in a hamburger stand that he was going to deliver to the character Dr. Emmett Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd. Now, this is... Once again, I spent big money, David, out of the budget that you sent me to 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 make. David, you did send me the money. We probably yeah. Well, you cashed a check. Goodness. Western Auto Stores. Boy, do I remember what, those. What, what number do you, does that look like? It looks like a nine to me. Does it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe that. There's Michael J. Fox. Right. And a, the picture, the the slide that I I saw one time, uh, I can't find anymore. But it was him sitting in a, in a in a window like over here someplace. Mm-hmm. While he's writing, they do they zoom back to this nine, and then the the two stripes from the burning of the DeLorean going to go ninety nine miles an hour. I'll be darned, huh? So that's not a clue. Nine eleven is it? No, just no. <laughs> <laughs> you see how clever it is? Yeah. I bet there's about 20 of them in there. Wait a minute. Let me get these things set up a little bit so I can get, pick up the next one easier. Okay. You want me to sing while you do that? Uh, no, not as quick as I can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I was unable to find find it while I was preparing this presentation. So I'll attempt to show you what it, what it showed. It was shown as Fox was seated in front of a window. Mm-hmm. I used to work for Western Auto part-time when I was in college. Yeah, they were a good place. Uh, the outdoor scene showed a Western Auto sign on a, bill, on a building showing that it looked like a nine, and it showed two fire trails from the DeLorean time machine as it streaked uh, into a streak to a speed of 88 miles an hour. It obviously was a clue about 9-11 date in the movie. That's amazing. Of course not. It's, you don't see it. No one saw it. I saw it. Yeah, you did. 
Uh, this is a book written in 2003 by Al Franken, a comic who was elected as the U.S. Senator from Minnesota. The book was entitled Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them. Just to show you that I've read the book, there it is. Mm-hmm. That's Al Franken. He was a comic and he ran for the Senate in whatever state, Minnesota or something. Yeah, figures. Minnesota would do that. Yeah. So there's the book. Okay. Now, he, yeah. made, he made a comment in the book. I, I won't have to find it because I quoted it. But I want you to, we got we to gotta read this. He made a comment, strange and goofy comment. He wrote about a phone call he received on the 10th of September that warned him about the day of September 11th, uh, September the 11th. Franken wrote, to tell you the truth, I got a call. Wow. I had an office in the Trade Center where I used to do most of my writing. The call came from a former New York City mayor, Ed Koch, spelled Koch, he told me not to go to the work to work on September the 11th. Really? Well, the mayor of New York warned him about it the day before. Oh, How man. did the mayor know that? Yeah. He wasn't the mayor of Poughkeepsie. Uh-uh. He was the mayor of New York, where the Twin Towers were. Isn't yeah. Interesting coincidence. I it's... bet he even knew David Rockefeller. Probably. Uh, notice two things. This call came from a former mayor of New York City, the site of the World Trade Center, which is going to be destroyed on September the 11th. How did he know that? He was in on it. <laughs> yes. Ah, Giuliani. Richard Giuliani, mayor of New York City. New York Mayor Richard Giuliani went to his disaster center headquarters in building number seven and was interviewed later as he was walking through the dust on the streets. I watched it with my own eyes. And here's what mm-hmm. he talked about. He told how the building suffered some damage and it took him 20 minutes to find a way out of the building, but he made it and made that street interview. There was no damage to Building 7. Right. Building number 7 suffered no damage and was not hit by an airplane. And it did not collapse until 5.20 that afternoon. But he couldn't get out for 20 minutes when there was no damage. Now, you have to know, I've got trying to find pictures of your building. There's no sign anything of there. Mm-hmm. One site on the internet said that debris from the collapse of the North Tower had caused fires on at least 10 f- floors of the building at its south and west faces. I never saw any smoke. Were you, were you in New York City? No, but I, I remember them showing pictures of it before it collapsed. Uh, These fires caused steel floor beams to expand and led to a chain of events that caused the key structural column to fail. However, I have examined pictures taken of Building 7 and can find no photographs of any floors on fire. Exactly. 
oh no, come on. Here's the average they would fire. Look at this building burn. Come on. <laughs> Look at that building burn. There it is. I tried to find pictures of it burning too. There's nothing. Yeah. And most of the pictures hardly. Well, I should have had a Well, what was on that route that you just showed? What was burning? I'm, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's okay. Well, that, that's the building number seven. Oh, okay. That's the back of it, Yali, and that's the fire right there. Oh, all right. So it did get, it did catch on fire. Someone lit the torch in here. Yeah. But it fell into its own footprint, just like any of the buildings being destroyed from an intentional collapse from interior explosions. Yes, some people knew about the attack in advance, and they did nothing. That's what's scary. Mm-hmm. Mayor Kokosh, whatever his name was, knew. Mm-hmm. He did warn his friend. Right. Let's see whether or not tall steel buildings burn and collapse, everything else. Let's just start a look at this. Okay. Uh, what in the world is that? Oh, a skyscraper fire in Madrid, Spain. Okay. Would you say that building was on fire? Yeah, and then so. Oh, really? Well, so was the building number seven. Uh-huh. Come on. So now, it must have destroyed the whole building, didn't it? Of course, the steel melted. And here's the building later, after the fire was put out. Yeah, there it is. The skeleton was still there. Uh-huh. Was- yeah. Steel buildings don't catch on fire. Mm-hmm. That's right. But the, our government said it did. Something's going on here. Okay, yeah, now, I agree. We're now really going to shift gears and get into the essence of the attack itself. Okay. All right. Rebecca Ruth, uh, Methodist. Oh, excuse me. Methodical illusion. That's, I just showed you. That's a picture of her. On, on a book cover. Mm-hmm. See what she looks like. Most of this material is from five books by Rebecca Roth. Okay. Okay. Oh, is that the one you said you were waiting for the last book? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Rebecca Roth, Methodical Illusion. This is number one. Okay. See, I, I, I spend the money because... I, I'm docking this. Don't listen to me. Listen to the lady that did the research. This sure. Staggering. Roth, so- uh, methodical deception. Okay. So it's a multi-part series. Yeah. I got, I've got the papers here uh, that I was going to have me read. Uh, there's three, two, three more to go. Okay. Rebecca Roth. Okay. There's the third one. She's putting pieces together. And yeah, it's making a a, a puzzle. Roth, <laughs> it's okay. Because the shiny cover, see the the, the puzzle's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's three dimensional. Yeah. And here's, I I could not get it in paperback. I had to buy the hardback, but I don't care. That's better anyway. Well. I, it goes in a library, and I, you know, I read it. 
Mm-hmm. I still have them. I, I use them over and over again for other research. Oh, made. sure. Methodical agenda. Okay. And there's... Oh, the Illuminati symbol. Yeah. Hmm. So... That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, this, that's, that's a thing you can't you can't really prove because, boy, the, the people that planned this thing, besides David, who gave us clues in the past, and mm-hmm. also the people that made the movies, they knew, and yeah. uh, Simpson, where it was. I have read all of her books, and they have truly undone what this official government story is. She has written them in the form of a novel, and I can only presume she has done so to avoid charges of misinformation or poor research. Let me explain that there were. This is this is what not having enough honest time to get make these little glitches. Okay, that's all right. Feel it's good. a little bit out of sequence. There were four airplanes, especially involved. In the 9-11 attack, this, the one that hit the Tower 1, the one that hit Tower 2. Of course, this is the official explanation. Right. The one that hit the Pentagon and the one that crashed in Shanksville. I must say that Mrs. Roth does not know how the planners convinced the world that three airplanes hit three buildings and... Uh, one crashed into the ground, but she makes an excellent case that no plane hit anything. Now, let me start discussing uh, the discussion by a comment made uh, in the first book's forward. A retired airport, airline pilot wrote. Well, I, I think I missed it. She had 30 years. I think she's still alive. She had 30 years of being a master. Uh, uh, stewardess or you know flight attendant they call them now mm-hmm. and she knew everything about how to fly airplanes and, and, wow. and be a good uh, she was a team leader and trainer mm-hmm. and it for three or four airlines so she and well this is what this uh, uh, captain said okay I heard Miss Roth being interviewed on two different radio programs and it was really readily apparent apparent that she knew from an insider's perspective exactly what she was talking about. The total failure to follow well-defined and re- the re- and required in-flight protocols. Okay, that's, that's now Roth saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, she's telling us about the problems she started seeing and what she found out about this thing. Wow. So there's, these are random, but th- these are, don't forget... You've got book number one, so you pick these five, and then over in book three, you pick two more, and then you got to merge them, and that's the problem. But, mm-hmm. but I, and I, if I had had 14 years, I could have done a good job. The FAA had never received any details about how the hijackers successfully entered the cockpit of those four flights. Not one of the nearly 30 flight attendants on board those four airplanes Followed any of the FAA hijacking procedures. That's wow. very strange, wasn't it? Yeah. So you're getting hijacked. You do. You're, there's there's a procedure. They're trained on what to do, mm-hmm. how to how to talk them out of it, do whatever they could. But then have this. No, no one said this. Right. Right. 
and not one of them mentioned the code word for to indicate that a hijacking was in progress. They're supposedly they're supposedly used to their cell phones. Everyone knows that cell phones don't work at cruise altitude, especially in two thousand and one. Not one pilot. Wait a minute. Don't jump over that comment about the cell phones not working. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you some details later. Do you understand? We were told they were talking to I know. the air and yeah. it don't work. I'm going to, she documented. That's what made it so confusing. It's number one and book three and then four and five. And I got a number. Hey, Ralph, can I add something to that? I've actually tried that um, on a flight uh, several times. And you can pick up a ground station, but as fast as you quick it up, pick it up, it disappears. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so you might get a signal for five seconds, and then it's gone because you're flying so fast over the area. So there's no, no way they were talking for minutes on, on the phone. No, and everybody knows that. Come yes. on, what we're doing here. This mm -hmm. lady is unbuilding this building, and she's taking them step by step to show the stewardess didn't do anything. The pilots didn't do anything. Right. Uh, squawked 7500, the universal hijack code. So that was it, that, the bottom line of that, where is that the, the not one pilot squawked. Okay. Right. Okay, those pilots were all ex-military. They would have done whatever it took to let air traffic control or the companies know that they were being hijacked. Yet not one of the eight pilots did. Wow. The people aren't doing anything about the being hijacked. Mm -hmm. What is this? I don't understand this comment, but I thought it was interesting. According to the, the, the mathematicians who figured out how airplanes flew to get to the to the uh, towers. Mm -hmm. Aircraft that were designed to fly 460 miles per hour actually flew nearly 700 miles per hour. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah, it is. But they got there. Come on. We know they got there because they... <laughs> oh, my goodness. The FBI showed up at the call, at the call recipients' homes within a half an hour of those passengers' calls and confiscated their caller IDs and their messaging systems. Why? The people who would now wait a minute. How did the FBI know where to go? Exactly. Who, who received these phone calls? Uh-huh. In other words, they were getting phone calls and and the two ways, but they weren't up in the sky. Right. Because they can't work. Uh-huh. But the FBI knew that they got the messages through. Huh. Let me now provide some evidence that no commercial liner hit the Pentagon. This is a drawing of a jet airliner supposedly about to strike the Pentagon. You can see that the wings are very wide, and this would mean that the building should experience widespread damage. Okay, now I'm going to have to... Uh, where, where, where did I put my... Where did I put my... Oh, here, here they are. I've got pictures. Uh, maybe I'll, I think I'll show them, and then mm -hmm. uh, we'll read about it. Okay. I've got a stack of pictures that I didn't have a chance to sort in, so I'll have to sort through them. Okay, that sounds good. 
uh, you don't you don't start singing, David, because I I've, I've already got the the kill button on here. Yeah, you couldn't afford me singing anyway. <laughs> uh, charge for that? Oh, uh, only only in Las Vegas. Yeah. Now these might not go with the words. That's the problem. We'll do it anyway. Okay. We're going to show you. It's not an airplane didn't hit the building. They put it up. Mama mia, look at that thing. This drawing of an airliner is drawn to scale and put up against the wall of the Pentagon. Okay. It would have taken one whole section of the Pentagon. <laughs> okay, there it is hitting. And it's showing the width of the uh, the wings where they would hit. In other words, did the wings do some damage? They have to do some damage. Yeah, you think so. Wings would bend, don't you think, if they got hit? Okay. Whatever hit the Pentagon is only took out one section. Uh-huh. Uh, leaving no damage to the two sides. That yeah, on the left side, there are there are things in the in the at the at the wall, but there's no fire. Right. Right. I, I found a picture, I couldn't find it, of a giant uh, dictionary on a stand against the window. The window's gone. No fire. There's huh. burning that didn't touch it. Really? And it was still there. <laughs> what? My goodness. That's okay. only one section. Yeah, it, it is. They they have a uh, look at that. It looks like those walls that are going into the building are are, are brick or concrete or something. Uh huh. No, this thing was built. It looks like for uh, a tag. Yeah. Even the wings should should have damaged the building as the jet crashed into the building. The second picture shows where the wings should hit the building. That was the one with the red marks. Yes. Uh, this is a picture of the damage done by the passage, uh, the passage of the jet into the wall. Yeah. The third picture. Uh huh. It shows only one section of the building has come down, and the wings did no damage because an airliner did not strike the Pentagon. I agree. Oh no! Wait a minute! Come on! Everybody knows they did. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you're doing this, Epperson. Uh, this is a picture of the Tomahawk cruise missile. And you can see that if someone saw this fly at a distance, it would be possible to think that it might have been a small plane. Uh, one witness said he thought it was a small commuter plane. Huh. Okay, now hold on. I got a picture. Oh, here we go. There yeah, an, there's a, there it is. There's an airplane. Uh-huh. It's at well, 30, 40 feet long. Right. Now notice this. This air, this uh, cruise missile's got painting on it. Right. Okay. Tomahawk cruise missile. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, let's see. I should probably show this first. Okay, if this is debris from an airliner, this is evidence that someone painted the cruise missile to look like an airplane. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
there, there's a, a video of the man being interviewed. He says, I saw the airplane. Uh, it, it looked to me like a small computer plane. Mm-hmm. And yet it was riding on the side and it's going like this. It didn't go, oh, excuse me, come look over here. Yeah, and they don't fly that fast either, cruise missiles. They fly subsonic. Yes. Yeah. This appears to be a picture of a fragment from the from the missile a short distance from the crash site. It seems to show, show some kind of painting on it, maybe to make the observer think it was an airliner. The FBI almost had to have prior knowledge of of who were on those flights. Mm-hmm. How would that be? How would the FBI know about that? The FBI is implicit on a lot of things, Ralph. Donald Trump is going to clean up the FBI. Oh, I hope so. Have we, have you been, re- okay, maybe talk privately. Around okay, this. yeah, that sounds good. Uh, neither the cockpit crews nor the flight attendants knew what was happening to them and their aircraft. How can you say they were there? Yeah, I, know. I don't know, man. I'm, I've been smoking that stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's all smoke the stuff so we don't know. The ganja. <laughs> this, this, this thing doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know that they were being hijacked. That's one explanation as to why none of the crew members responded as they were trained. They didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. because, it, because it didn't happen. Exactly. Landed, then they were landed, then where in the world then where in the world would they have gone? Could all four planes have been taken to the same location? Oh. And we're gonna study this room. Yeah, this is interesting. Once again, these might not be in any sequence. I'm sorry. That's okay. And by by eight twenty a flight attendant called her supervisor at Logan Airport. They had to be on the ground by eight twenty AM. When did huh. she, she called it eight twenty? So, and the the the, uh, the cell phones don't work unless right. she's on the ground. Exactly. So the airplane that would left Logan had to get there by eight twenty. Uh huh. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, those two flight attendants were on the phone for nearly twenty five minutes, and neither didn't really. Neither didn't really. I didn't move it up. This is the. If I had another hour, I could have got out. Okay. Oh, sure. Uh, give, neither could give any uh, useful information. Why didn't one of the passengers make a phone call from their earphones or cell phones? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. The key to this theory is that the plane had to be on the ground when these two calls were made. Where were they? We're going to find out. Ooh, good. Can you believe that? These these people figured it out. They found it. Yeah. They would have to have, and it would have to have the privacy to make those airplanes become invisible once they landed and perhaps, and perhaps large hangars. Oh, no, hey, you're in. Uh-oh. Are you sitting down? Sure. 
Westover, I can't uh, Westover Air Force Base. Okay. How many hangars do you see? One, two, three, four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are those good sized hangars or not? No, they're gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So maybe they came to Westover. Where is Westover, Ralph? Uh, you know something, I, I, I might have it in the notes. I don't remember. I, I said, uh, I'm thinking Massachusetts, but I'm not sure. Please, I, I don't, I, I can't put a finger okay. on. It. All right. Uh, they located one such airport, airport Westover Air Force Base. This is a picture of the base. Okay. Please notice the size of the three hangars shown in the picture. In 2001, it was likely active. The base was, yeah. There's a comma after that. So say it again. Okay, I forgot. Go ahead. It's okay. Um, please notice that the size of the three hangers shown in the picture in 2001, it was likely active. Comma. Okay. Mm-hmm. Only on weekends, their huge hangers could have been utilized on 9-11 to land and hide aircraft. That's interesting. So it must be like an Air National Guard base or something. Oh, you read you've read these papers before, didn't you? No, I didn't. <laughs> you snuck in there and read these things last night, didn't you? No wonder yeah. they were yeah, I flew all the way down to Arizona and did that. <laughs> Where is a ten thousand foot runway twenty minutes or less from Logan Airport? See, it, it doesn't, you, all you can do is go, here's where the planes are, where they left, and it, they know they've got only eight eight hours and 20 minutes. you got to get there, uh-huh. so they figure out they need a circle around the, uh, the uh, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. and they found it, Westover, okay, huh. once again, says Westover Air Base. Air Force Base uh, met all the requirements. The base was on a lockdown on 9-11. Oh, they did. Uh, some, somebody, knew, somebody was expecting these airplanes to land there. Yeah. And they Sounds shut like the, it. Shut the base down. Uh-huh. Okay. It could have been taxied into one of these super large hangars right here. Each of these hangars could easily accommodate more than one commercial jet. Wow. Okay. Uh, the flight attendants wouldn't have known that they were being hijacked. Barbara Olson, passenger. Oh, remember her? She got. I don't. Okay. I don't. Okay. I won't, I won't comment. I... Uh, reported. She reported the hijackers had knives and box cutters show a box cutter. She was the only one to mention box cutters as a weapon. Now, everybody knows if you're going to hijack an airplane, what do mm-hmm. you need? Machine guns and bombs and yeah. things. Uh, and, uh, and a very important weapon. Yeah, box cutter. Utility knife. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to take over an airplane. You know what I don't understand, Ralph? There had to be big guys on that plane. They could have easily have overpowered those guys with those stupid knives. There were no uh, hijackers on any of the four airplanes. Yep. 
I agree. Now, why did Barbara Olson say there were? Hmm. I wonder why. Maybe, maybe she knew as well. Some of those people on board those four airplanes might have known. Yeah. And they, they, they and we're going to see they were taken care of as well. Mm-hmm. There are no stairs in a 767, so they had to be in a large, in a hangar. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would like to discuss the fact that not one of the four planes were flying at capacity, at capacity nor even... Okay, let's go back. Uh, the, the comment being on, on the second floor, what was that? Uh, what did he say? There, okay, the there guy, are no ladders. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't ladders. He said uh, uh, stairs. stairs. Mm-hmm. He said he was on... He st- There it is. Maybe we didn't read it. Okay, let's see what it says. There's the box cutters. Right. We did have to read. Okay. The transcript that first flight attendant said said this. He stood upstairs. Okay. In other words, how how could you stand uh, in in a one-story airplane? Yeah, exactly. A uh, one-story hangar. There's a glitch in this matrix. Uh, there are no stairs in the 767, so they had to be in a hangar. Yeah. See how these things are all falling together. Mm-hmm. And falling apart, too. <laughs> yes. uh, so. Okay, here we go. Now let's, let's read this. There's okay. a talk here as well. I would like to discuss the fact that not one of the four planes were flying a capacity, nor even... Okay. nor even a, at partial capacity. Each of these planes could easily carry 200 passengers each, but they did not. That means in a rough estimate, there could have been booked 800 flight reservations for these flights. Oh boy, this is getting a little bit of this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, you're not kidding. But they only booked 244. Not one of them got over 100 reservations. In fact, these are the actual figures of the four planes. America Flight 11, 87 passengers. United Flight 175, 60 passengers. American Flight 77, 59 passengers. And United Flight 93, 38 passengers. Why would they do that? If you're flying from Boston to Los Angeles and you got you could have put 200 people in there, why would you put only 50? Why? Yeah, it, it, plus it's not cost effective. <laughs> I, all of these, uh, all of these uh, uh, airlines, no. In other words, if they only get 50, they say uh, canceled. Yeah. How many did they get? 244, yeah. When they could easily carry 800. Secondly, that implies that both American Airlines and the United Airlines intentionally book less than full lists of passengers. 
That means the two airlines uh, cooperated with the conspirators who had planned the entire 9-11 attack. Oh, come on. Ralph, are you serious? Yeah. Do you see this? Suddenly this thing is serious. Yeah. Mayors going around talking about it, telling us that their buildings were damaged when they weren't. Mm-hmm. What in God's name is going on? Yeah, right. That's a lot of people. Giuliani must have known. He said that with his own. I watched him. The camera was going like this when he's walking, and then they saw he's talking, and he's talking that way to the thing. And I, I, we had a, couldn't get off for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Now it is entirely possible for the conspirators to monitor their to monitor the computer uh, reservations. Um, and they put out the fact that the four planes were fully booked to the maximum, so no airline booking agents could book reservations on these flights because they were already completely booked. Well, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe the, the people that the, you know take reservations didn't know that. They go there and they look, oh, my gosh, we've only got three seats left when they had 110 left. Right. Now, the four planes had different destinations. Three of them were flying to Los Angeles, and the fourth was flying to Washington, D.C. Uh, these are probably destinations, these are popular destinations, excuse me, and it's highly improbable that each of these flights were under-reserved. This plays a very important role in a 9-11 attack. Why would they do that? Only put 50, 60 people on a flight that could take 200. Does that make money for the airline? No, not at all. Something implies that the airlines knew as well. Mm-hmm. They could have easily kept those planes hidden in the hangars and flown them out after dark. The Air Force reserves were all housed in nearby hotels. Within minutes of the within minutes of the Pentagon being struck, FBI agents were on the scene confiscating nearly eighty security videotapes from the Pentagon and surrounding businesses. None dare call it conspiracy. <laughs> Jeez. The Pentagon had eighty two cameras around the building or maybe inside as well. Mm-hmm. And not one of them. They only they found one at a distance, and that they it's, here's the wall, and you see this thing go like this. It's and that's an airplane can't go that low, and that slow. Right. Uh, so, but it was an airline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also by a pilot who was trained in a in a Piper Cub. Hmm. Hmm. We believe that story. Of course, we do. My God, <laughs> the media told us daily how much he's people who they were yeah and i believe i can get a beachfront property in arizona too <laughs> oh you can i didn't know that you can. <laughs> they knew where to look and what they were looking for why would you evacuate a military base call up a reserve unit lock them out and then have the local sheriff secure the base everybody knew cell phones didn't work at altitude Right. That that's one of those things. Well, it's just a repeat, but nonetheless, and it's I think done for. I did. 
I put it in there. I didn't take it out because I already had it. But I thought I better. We got to know that. You well, it's good to reinforce hard. the reinforce the thought. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they discovered the four commercial planes were led to believe hit uh, were led to believe hit targets or crashed that day. Were hijacked hijacked electronically using the flight termination system. The flight termination system had taken control of their planes. Oh my God. Wait a minute. They were radio controlled. How about that? By another plane of mm-hmm. the CIA. Oh. Well, I think it's, I think it's, we'll see. Uh, since there were no hijackers or intruders inside the cockpits, it appeared pilots suddenly lost the ability to control the aircraft and were most likely busy trying to regain control, that control. I, I don't know. The pilots seemed sound like they were not part of this. Yeah. Because they might be able to overcome uh, control by something else. I don't right. know. Right, right. Not, though, because radio air, airplanes can't be flown by re- remote control. Mm-hmm. Really highly trained pilots, all of them with military backgrounds, did not squawk the universal hijack code. It also explains why there was no communication with the flight attendants in the cabin. Once the remote system takes over, it makes all communications impossible. Wow. Well, they, they can't even talk. It sounds like the front of the airplane can't talk to the back of the airplane. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. They yeah, talk, definitely. They talk with microphones. Mm-hmm. And they do pretty little stewardess come out and tell, have, tell you funny stories to get that mouth there. on you know, <laughs> your seat. Every once in a while, I, I, I started flying there for four or five years off and on. And I, some of those people are very clever. They, they, they put, take the, what they're supposed to say and make it funny. And then you laugh. Yeah, they do. And, and you learn that way. Uh-huh. All four planes were remotely commanded by someone in the air or on the ground and landed at a reserve base in western Massachusetts. There it is, western Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Cell phones did not work at cruise altitude. It was impossible for a cell phone to make a connection above uh, 1,500 feet. Is that what you experienced with your experimentation? Did you take, were you trying to take off with their talking or whatever it was? No, we were about 30,000 feet in the air, and I was oh, trying it. And then every once in a while, you'd get a signal, and as fast as you got it, it disappeared. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I remember sitting in airplanes that had a cell phone right in front of me. But look, uh-huh. look, look what happened with American. American had deactivated all the phones on their 757s by the end of January 2001, some eight months prior to 9-11. There are five or six very large hangars on that base. Are you aware of the 85 cameras that surrounded the Pentagon that the FBI confiscated within minutes of the explosion? They also went around the neighborhood to the gas station and the motel. Mm Mm-hmm. And looking for, and they confiscated those, and they never got them back. Huh? Well, you can't have 
he's taking pictures of an airplane. What is yeah. it? Magazine. Uh huh. This thing was well thought out. Yeah, it was, but not well enough. The, little David sat on in that in that picture. He started the process, thinking, "Boy, we can we can make a do, do something big out of this." Yeah, and it's unusual too. Hmm. That official story of the 757 hitting the Pentagon was a false narrative. Fort um, Belvoir on Highway 1 was found, to, was found to save time. Some kind of missile hit the Pentagon. Uh, where could one have been launched from? I'm thinking the air. <laughs> no, no. No? Well, there, that's, I have to admit, there, that uh, I think that particular cruise missile is a ground-to-ground thing. Huh. So, rockets are made; they're called surface surface to air, surface surface to surface, uh, air to, to surface. So mm-hmm. they, it depends on your. You, uh, my friend Maury said he. He worked for years with uh, uh, the people that build these things. Uh-huh. And he, what what they should what what they could have done was you go to the the spot on the Pentagon that you want hit, and you you send a signal. In, the, in this case, they're, if they're on the ground, you send a signal fifteen miles, or maybe even like this, and say send the missile to this spot. Mm-hmm. And then you leave the premises and you walk away and that missile follows that track and hits at that spot. So huh. that's what more explained. I've never heard that before, but that would be make a great deal of sense. Yeah, that, it would. Your target's not going to wander because the wind got it or it fell or took off or whatever. It's going to that spot. Mm-hmm. That, that could partially explain the missile. Yeah. Uh, Fort Belvoir. Uh, any p- airplane approaching the Pentagon would have been spotted, tracked, and shot down before it could have hit the, that building. And a missile could never have been penetrated its defense system unless they had been turned off. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Someone was flipping switches inside before it happened. Yeah. Uh, I saw the news release that the Secretary of Defense, what uh, that was name I remember, announced that there that the building was hit by a missile. Mm-hmm. He didn't say by an airplane, or a, right. said a missile. That was the day before, day after they announced they lost two trillion dollars and can't find it. Mm. And strangely enough, that's where the missile hat hit. Really. So huh. Some records were destroyed. Huh. About the two million billion trillion dollars. The the Secretary of Defense held a press conference. If this thing happened, what is it? A Monday or when did it happen? I don't remember. Yeah, but I said Friday on Thursday. He held a press conference. I, I watched him come to the podium and say, uh, talk about it. Like, we oh, did see a count and we can't find $3 trillion. Mm-hmm. And the records that we're going to find out where there was that was destroyed huh. by a, an airplane. Right. The CIA has access to missiles and the Pentagon's defense system. 
people inside the Pentagon said that the smell of cordite was overpowering. Uh, This also had multiple, they also heard multiple explosions going off in that wing. There you go. What what is cordite? Uh, Wait, what did I say? Um, The smell of cordite, it was overpowering. I know, but what's cordite? Is that that, uh, explosive? Yeah, it is. Uh Uh-huh. So that implies that it wasn't the airplane. It was something, it was a missile, something with explosives in it. Yeah, because it would have been uh, jet fuel otherwise. Let's let's talk about this situation. President George Bush was among elementary students in a classroom in Florida. He remained seated while he was informed of the second strike on the World Trade Center towers and didn't move until before the Pentagon was struck. Huh. Uh, have you seen that clip? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, President Bush, the second airplane hit. Okay. <laughs> uh, these are not her comments. And they're, they're not yours or they're mine, but I, I wanted you to understand this is what I think what this means. Okay, these are my comments. He said that he had watched the first plane hit the tower from the television set in the school. Okay, we slow down. Was there live coverage of the first hit? No, uh-uh. Well, wait a minute. He said he saw it. Now, if he's in his air, his car, his car could have had a TV there. Right. And he could have sat in the back and watched the first strike mm-hmm. as he was being driven to the to the building. Right. And that would imply that if that if that's true, then he knew to watch it. Right. Which means he was anticipating it on TV. And then when he got to the school, he said he saw it. There was mm-hmm. no live coverage unless he had a direct connection, if his limousine had it, to back to Washington, D.C. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. more likely, I think. Mm-hmm. So he might very well. But then he announced that he saw it on the TV setting, which implies that he saw a, a, the original, the, a, a, saw it live, and there was no live coverage. Right. Well, we all know he's a traitor anyway. So it's, um, let's see. There were no live television scenes that day. You read that, okay. Yeah. Now, going back to the Secret Service agent notifying the president of the second airplane hitting the second tower, they didn't seem too concerned, nor did the president. Yeah, no, let's, let's keep looking. It's not like he grabbed his face and went, oh, my God, you know. He just kind of sat there. Yes, yeah. and in fact, he, he couldn't show any, any reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He kn- Mm-hmm. It must have been presumed that the Secret Service officially did not know if the president was a target of the terrorists, because if he was, he should have been rapidly gone to Air Force One to take off. Does that make sense? Yep. How did he know he wasn't a target? Unless he knew he wasn't a target. Right. Right. This it, it, it takes a little thought. But we can see right through this whole thing. Yeah, it exactly. With conspiracy. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, no, there's no, come on, there's no conspiracy. This is not known. I don't know. She said her books were very big sellers, but they're what she wrote them back in the years and years ago. And so it's too, too busy, especially now that I can't pay for my, for my food. Yeah, right. Uh, but he continued to sit there. Now back to the narrative. There is a good possibility that the missile was launched from someplace on Fort Belvoir. It was the perfect location for search, for launching such a missile. How uh, how far is the Pentagon from this spot? How far, Ralph? I have an answer for you. <laughs> Seven yards. Seven yards. <laughs> <laughs> About fifteen miles. Well, give or take a yard. Uh, the office, the author, and her staff felt it was Tomahawk cruise missile. The five books said that Mrs. Ross' crew got permission to visit the fort, and they found a spot which would give those who wanted to launch the missile complete privacy. Really, now, think about this: that base was shut down, right? But uh, wait, what, what point was I going to make? Someone, someone, someone got. Oh yeah. Someone got in. Now, that implies that the, the the colonel who shut it down on orders from the conspirators wanted. But see, this is a novel, mm-hmm. so she probably she wrote it and said they got permission from the commander to go under because it's you know. And why was the sheriff providing security at the base? Yeah, that never happens. No. Okay. The speckled trout airplane. It was smaller than a 747. The modifications on the aircraft were meant to allow this aircraft to command a war from the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We don't need generals in Washington, D.C. and the Pentagon. <laughs> oh, there's no such thing as a speckled trout. Oh, there it is. Looks like a 707. And what color is it? Well, it's white. Yes. Maybe blue. We get two more pages and we're through. Okay. It left from Andrews Air Force Base shortly after 7 that morning. That would put the trout close to Westover and right at the same time communication with American 11 was lost. Everything the speckled trout was capable of doing that day was most likely done from that airplane. Wow. One airplane. The plane was equipped with the most advanced electronic warfare capabilities. My comment. Um, I recall on the news that people reported a large white aircraft circling in the skies over New York and Washington, D.C. that day. I, in my memory, I remember seeing, here's a, here's a Twin Tower, one of them. Yeah. Flying around like over here. There's a white, air, white jet airplane. Huh. Could it have been the speculator? I don't know. But I, I, I remember seeing it. It was motion picture. Right. So it, it sounds like it was. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. 
Was this the speckled trout? Let's draw some conclusions. Mrs. Roth and her crew of assistants decided that the planters got all of the passengers together into one hangar and then gassed them to death, obviously not to let survivors testify about what happened. Now, that, that, okay, that, okay. well, I, I, the, I've got a thought there that bothered me and I was going to talk about it, wasn't Oh yeah, uh, I, they, they, there's only two ways to do it. If they're going to gas them, get them all in the in one airplane, and right. that's possible. it's mm-hmm. not quite possible because there's well, it could be. I'm sorry, that's exa- exactly why they could have used one airplane. Right, that was my thought. Right, gas the, the airplane. But mm-hmm. what do you do with a gassed airplane? How do you get rid of that scent? You know, I guess you degas it. Well, how do you? It, it's it's got to apparently. As we're going to cover, all four airplanes left. Right. So one of them was full of gas, you know, mm-hmm. gassed. I don't know. Well, I, probably just leave the doors and doors open for a while. And well, that sounds good, but even so, uh, uh, hey, you'll still have residual. I realize exactly. that. Yeah. That's <laughs> my point. So uh, I, the, I forgive me. It's I, okay. That's where I have a little trouble with you. Right, that's where their conclusion was. It, it certainly, please, she could be right. They could have mm-hmm. done it, and then, well, here's a solution, maybe to the gas airplane. Right. The four planes uh, then left, I would presume, to airports. This seems to me to be a bit of a stretch because I do not know how you would ever get rid of the scent of the poison gas from the interior of the of the hangar. Either you do it in the airplane or in the hangar. Right. If you do it in the hangar, you need more gas. Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. We're almost finished. Okay. I believe that I have a better explanation. I discussed that the four planes only had 288 passengers and crew, and they uh, could convince them that they all could board one of the planes and the airliner would fly them back to their original city so that they can fly to their original destinations. That's a guess, but let's see. Could be. And then the plane would be flown by remote control into the Atlantic Ocean so that this, yeah, it makes sense. You got all, that's why they had less than two, uh, you know, 60 people or 80, where it was. Yeah. So one you can fit them on all one plane. There's a sacrifice of one airplane. Yeah. And that, uh, if I may, I just a random thought that I was going to put in there, I forgot. I heard, I, I read a message on the Facebook where some employee who travel works for the airline and travels all over like on weekends. He gets in because they, they get free passage, so he could get on the, on an airplane and go from. New York to Tucson, then go from Tucson to San Diego, and then back again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's no cost to him. So uh, it's quite okay. Yeah. And then the plane would be flown by remote control into the Atlantic oh, Ocean so that this would end the episode. America could also now go to war with certain Arabian nations. 
I'll be darned. Was that the reason for it? Hey, Bush was an oil man. And what do the Arabs have in their nations? <laughs> Lots of oil. Uh, their scheme had succeeded. Rockefeller's plan and the scheme proposed by the planners had worked. We were uh, we were involved now in a war. It worked. Man, oh man. Scumbags. You know, uh, Ralph, this kind of reminds me of, um, you remember Flight 800? Yeah. It was a TWA flight out of uh, uh, Kennedy, and it was flying flying to Europe, I believe. Um, now, before that happened, uh, there was an Israeli, well, um, what am I trying to say, El Al flight that was supposed to leave when the, when the United flight left, but the El Al flight had problems and it had to stay. So the TWA flight took took a you know its place in in uh, line and and uh, took off, and uh, the people that were on the beach said that they uh, they saw a light going from the ocean up to the plane, which oh would God. suggest a missile, yeah. right? Well, you know the FBI was oh well no this that doesn't ha- didn't happen it was that was static electricity or something shooting up down oh. from the plane. Anyway, it was a stupid explanation. Um, and now, just uh, last week, they or week before last, they came out and said, "Yes, it was a, it was the U.S. Navy conducting an exercise." Oh, of course. You know. Now, my question is, why did they shoot down the Flight 800? Was was it possible that they were meant they meant to shoot down the Israeli airplane to maybe start a conflict in the Middle oh, East? Course. You know, and um, the, the Israeli plane just couldn't take off, and they shot down the wrong plane. They did that with the Liberty ship. Remember the Liberty ship? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, will you allow me this? Yeah. Sure. Publius Press, Ralph Epperson, 3100 South Philomena. Let me spell Philomena. P-H-I-L-A-M-E-N-A place. Tucson. And I always pronounce, messed it up with Tuscan. It's T U C. Wait, let me. I want to spell it. I know, but you've got a friend that knows how to pronounce it, and you're going to pronounce it Tuxin? No, no, no. I when I spell it out, it's hard sometimes. Uh, Tucson, T U C S O N, Arizona, eight five seven three zero. Website Ralph Epperson dot com, and Epperson's with two P's. You already beat me to it. Oh, yeah, I got it hanging up right back here. <laughs> the Unseen Hand is the book that Ralph, one of the books Ralph wrote, An Introduction to the Conspiratorial View of History by Ralph, A. Ralph Epperson. Come on, there's more. Okay, The New World Order by A. Ralph Epperson. Both books are excellent. I read both of them. Masonry, Conspiracy Against Christianity, Evidence that the Masonic Lodge Has a Secret Agenda by A. Ralph Emerson. Another good book. Jesse James, United States Senator by A. Ralph Emerson. That subject has just blown my mind, Ralph. I know. People people tell me they once they get started with it, they can't put it down. But yeah. getting started is, is the problem. 
Uh-huh. And then you can do stuff like go to Las Vegas and see names that, you know, you read in the book and everything else. Jesse James, United States Senator. Jesse James lived to be 103. It's a four-hour DVD, and I would recommend it. Everybody watch that. It's by Ralph, A. Ralph Epperson. Well, what Where can they it? get that, Ralph? Well, they can buy it from me or my website. But what is it? Oh, I see. It, it, that's it. You read you read the correct. I, it's once again, it's backwards for me, and I didn't know what it said. Oh, so okay. That, and that's what that was. This was intended. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, read the book, uh, after you read it, watch the video because there's a wealth of more information. And it's gonna. I tell you, people who read it are they're like you said. I just want. I meant to show you this. Oh, that's a C five, Air Force C five. Yeah, that's what you call a big airplane. Yeah, I've been on one of those. Inside and flying? Yeah, I've been in a cockpit actually. A friend of mine used to pilot those. I'll be done. And that's a C one forty one, I do believe. Yeah. Oh really? Uh huh. I thought I well okay. That's then they made a mistake on the. I don't know. It could be a C five. I don't know. It looks like a one forty one though. I can't get the two together. Maybe. Yeah. See the fuselages. Well, I guess it's a C five. Yeah. It well, is. the only way I would know is because I I I Google these things. Right. Uh, Mr. Jury member. Uh, are you the foreman of this jury? Yes, I am. Uh, how do you, uh, what is your verdict? My verdict is guilty as charged, uh, conspiracy against the American people. And it's my fault? No, it's, 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 okay, let me get this straight. It's Rockefeller's fault, and it's Bush's fault, and it's the CIA's fault, and the Illuminati's fault, and, uh, and Mayor Koch, Coke, Koch. Yeah, Mayor Koch. Coke, it is pronounced, I found out Coke, even though it's K-O-C-H. But anyway, he knew. Mm -hmm. And Giuliani knew. Right. Because he was a mayor of New York. And mm -hmm. that, was, the people in New York, a lot of those up at the very top. Yeah. Know. Yeah, there's an infestation in New York, that's for sure. What do you think an American would think after watching this? Let down, deceived. You think uh, you think you would convince them? Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. And I think when people watch this, they're going to be convinced. So, in other words, we got to have a big impact on, on the thinking of maybe some people around the country. Heck, yeah. Because, mm -hmm. but this, of course, 9-11 was 2001. That's... 20 years ago. There were 21. 21 years, two, actually. But 22, mm -hmm. there is. So, I don't... I wonder whether or not that's uh, that's uh, true. Okay, please hold down the fort. Yeah. When the... oh, no, 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 please don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, this is interesting. This, this, look at this expensive expense I paid to to get this uh, 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 teacher's aid here. Okay, let's ah. do it step by step. Okay. 
Probably that way. Well, that's bad. Yeah, well, yeah, for us here in America. Oh, that's bad. Please tell me what you see. I see uh, like a polar shot of the Earth. Okay. Where, where's, where's Antarctica? Uh, around the edge. Oh, all the way around? Yeah. Why is it that when they take pictures of satellites by the hour, because they're measuring the ice uh, on the island, uh, how did they? How does it go around the Earth in in a, 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 a mountain? You know? It doesn't. That's a fabrication you're holding oh, up there. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's an interesting thought. This is what you call a wristwatch. It's on. You don't. You can't see it being on. I can't even see it, Ralph. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Because it's a tube. Mm-hmm. It only shines down. Now, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to try it. Can you see what it says? Low system resources may have... What is it? Oh, they don't like my picture. Anyway, it's on. Yeah, I see it. The light, The sun goes like this. Uh-huh. According to their theory, yeah. Now, if if I make this thing the the size larger with this flag, you can't see it. I guess if I make it a size of a quarter, it's not on anymore. And maybe it's not on at all. There it is. Okay, there there we go. If you make it larger, it some parts of the continent don't get sun. I think it turned off again, Ralph. Okay, maybe that's what it is. But anyway, the point is this. Yeah. If it's a quarter, it goes around like this. Now, where's the tube? Have you ever seen the tube that keeps it from showing to the North Pole while it's at the South Pole? Uh-uh. There's a, a tube. It's got to be. Because if if you don't have a tube, then you then it goes all over the, the scene. Now, the sun goes over this orbit. Mm-hmm. Moon does as well. It's like this. Yeah. Then, if that's true, well, how do you explain eclipses and the phases of the moon? Yeah. Exactly. How do you do that? You can't. No. It's impossible. I asked that question on Facebook the day after the eclipse. Mm-hmm. That they all saw, or at least saw, like they saw, maybe they didn't see it, but the newspapers covered it. And suddenly the discussion of the new, the new North, uh, the mood, uh, a flat earth disappeared. Huh. Here is a better, this, this is called, I didn't figure this out this way. This is supposedly the latest edition. <laughs> what happened to South America? Yeah, where's Australia? Yeah. This is supposed to be better. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I'll tell you, these people make this up and they want to believe, and there are people that believe it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't understand that. You know, 
It's impossible to understand insanity if you're insane. If you're sane, rather. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, the Southern Cross. Uh-huh. Where is it seen? Below the equator, on south, south of the equator. Can we see it? No. Why? Because we're north of the equator, and the what? Earth is a globe. No, it's flat. <laughs> Please. No, it's not. I ask this question every time I get get it on the. What is this? Uh huh. The North Star, Polaris. Can the Australians see it? No. I want the only question I've got is if you're on the equator, can you see both of them? Maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever seen that that sink thing they take? Oh yeah, yeah, with the water circles. Um, yeah, what was that called? Um, well, whatever it is, Coriolis effect. Yeah, they pour water into a, 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 a tank, and at, at and this side it goes this way, and over there it goes this way. How do you how do you explain that on the flat Earth? And yeah. right on the equator, it goes straight down too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's see what else we got to grab at. We're getting kind of close to our time there, Ralph. I think. Well, yeah. So that took Okay, let's go back. You said we, I asked you to set the clock. Did it take two hours? Yeah, darn near. Yeah. We'll leave the other things for other weeks then. Okay, it sounds good. Did you hire the dancing girls? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we talked about that, David. I remember it. I told you I'd pay a dollar ninety-five for each one you found. No, <laughs> I, I once again, I hope that this gets people thinking. For sure. Uh, I, I still believe within days, Donald Trump could take over the United States. Yeah, it's, that seems to be pointing that direction, Ralph. I've been looking at a lot of different things, and it's it's if he doesn't, it then everything's lost. Do you? Th- yeah, that's what I. He said he's going to run for the presidency. Uh huh. Two and a half years away. I yeah. Don't know. No, in one of his speeches not too long ago, he says, "We'll be, I'll be back soon." Soon, which yeah. is, which is open. That could be a minute and a half from now. Or it could be 27 years from now. Yeah. Listen, since we did this job, uh, and reasonably, it could be expected for people to believe this is true, that mm-hmm. the government did plan a conspiracy. And I ask one question. What was the purpose of it? Uh, ultimately, the enslavement or the uh, conditioning of the American people to see if... To see if um, their technology can work into fooling people into believing that uh, something actually happened that didn't happen. Okay, what about uh, a war? Yeah. We go to war as a result of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it was done. Yeah. I'll make one conclusion. Mm-hmm. America plans wars, and they entice somebody to attack us. So right. that don't appear to be the aggressor. Mm-hmm. That's what this is about. Right. And say the oil. You're mm-hmm. right. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Once again, I plead thank you very much. And I want to thank you for admitting that the mustache would look very much, maybe look very much like Tom Selleck. Do you still have it there? You should put it on. <laughs> huh? I said, if you have it, you should put it on, and we'll get the audience to see if you look like Tom Selleck or not. <laughs> Tough thing to do, get it. It tickles, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best I can do. Yeah, you look good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I look like Tom Selleck, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I th thought that would be. Something that might cause a chuckle in you in your spirit. Yeah. I, want, I do want to thank you very much. Can we hold on after this and talk for a few minutes? Yeah, just for a few. I am so I am so tired right now. Very good. Then let's leave it. Maybe, but we, we need to talk sometime. Let's sure. Use the word soon. You, okay. You define when it's soon. Okay. Yes. Soon is soon. Church, <laughs> please. You call me when you're ready because we need to talk. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Sounds very good, Mr. Epperson. Mr. Ruffino, I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity to get on <laughs> and talk about these things. And let's hope some people watch it and share it and tell people we were conned once again. Yep. Yep. Thanks. Thanks so Thank you. Time. I'm gonna stop recording now, okay? God bless you, yes. God bless you too.